to the official podcast of the Canberra Raiders. Billy off the seas out now. He puts a kick out. Croke is there against. Oh, Jared Croker! What a catch by the skipper! Come join us as we go behind the limelight. Four in a row. Hello and welcome to Behind the Limelight. I'm Raider Nick, joined by the usual podcast panelists, Mr. Benny Pollock. Good and afternoon, Mr. Tommy Logan. G'day. Huge show planned. We're going to go back in time to 89 with former Raiders prop and Kiwi International Brent Todd. Live from Bali, we'll cross to him in his tattoo parlour and talk about how great 89 was. Our player focus today, Hudson Young. We get to meet Hudson Young, the young Nova Castrian, playing very well for the Raiders and uh, a lot more. So stick around. Come join us as we go. Behind the limelight. Canberra Raiders 26, Brisbane Broncos 22. Gents, what a day out there on Easter Sunday. Beautiful performance. I think it was probably our toughest challenge of the year. I personally rocked up with the ground thinking, well, we're going to need to be on today because Broncos are desperate. They've got so many players in that team that can turn things on a coin. But we played fantastic. We had a good lead at half time. They came back. They were on to us, but we hung on and won by four. It was a great win for us. I think that was the most pleasing thing, the fact that we got behind in the contest, um, but we were able to find a way out of it. Um, mm. It was a little piece of individual brilliance by Jack Whiten mm. to kick that 40-20. And, you know, this is from a guy that's put a couple out in the full in the last uh, few weeks. But, you know, like I said in, I think, another podcast, he just gets on with it. He doesn't mm. dwell on it and things like that. And the kick that he put uh, on the weekend was just pinpoint. That set us up. We just went, Then we went bang, bang, scored two tries. Uh, and although Broncos scored with two minutes to go, um, the guys were able to hold on for the win. So for me, I think it was pleasing to see that the guys showed a bit of resilience uh, and were able to fight back from a position where uh, probably in the last couple of years they, they might have um, gone away and, and not won that game. So uh, I think that was the best thing for me. Since Ricky in the press has said, maturity. The guys are a lot more mature this year. They're easier to coach. Tommy? Yeah, obviously this side is starting to show a lot of character uh, to come back into the game and, and get back out in front after going behind in the second half when probably there were probably a lot of few nervous sort of faces around GI Stadium when that happened. And like Benny said, that was a massive play from Jack with that 40-20. Uh, but I think it shows a lot about this side that the fact that we're able to sort of, you know, not drop our heads and keep on going and eventually find a, w- a way to win the game. And that's what we showed on uh, Sunday. And it was pretty actually um, interesting looking at the numbers before. The Broncos really didn't do a whole lot wrong statistically. Mm. And the fact that we actually ended up coming out as the winner in that contest really shows a lot of how good this side is. JJ Collins became the seventh player to make his debut for the mm. club so far this season. So you've got to remember that um, a lot of players that are coming into this team don't have that baggage of the last couple yeah. of years. Uh, and also the British boys and the guys that are the guys that have been there know how much it hurts and, and don't want it to happen again so look I just love the the way that we muscle up in defense particularly um, when we're on our own line everybody's working hard for each other there's no easy way through us uh, I think the kick the, the, the try that they scored uh, from Corey Oates was a, a kick in behind the line there was another one where we were a little bit broken play. Uh, when the Broncos made a break downfield and just got stretched for numbers, so mm. it's not like they're coming through the middle of us and they're not and they're not punching through us um, in a half or you know around the halves or something like that as well. So I I think it's showing that you know defensively we're getting to where we need to be. Round seven, Brookvale Oval Sunday, two o'clock, huge game. Um, look, a lot of lot of the so-called experts are questioning the Raiders whether it's a soft start for the other clubs that we haven't beaten anyone in the top eight. We beat Parramatta, who were in the top eight. But Manly running fifth, they've been a bit hot and cold, but they're starting to pick up some good form under Des Hasler. 
Tommy Logan against your old club, mate. We make the trip down to Brookie. <laughs> yeah, it's it's probably the hardest place to go to in terms of atmosphere. And uh, it kind of worries me that this game is on a Sunday afternoon at 2 o'clock. I feel like Manly fans really turn out for those sort of fixtures, mm. no matter who their opponent is. And it always creates quite a bit of a hostile atmosphere. That can be hard, really hard for any team to go and get a result. Yeah, you get no favours at Brookvale Oval, that's for sure. Um, it's one of those grounds where you can go and, um, you know, the, the crowd's right into it. The, the referees... Um, Probably don't give you the decisions, the 50-50s that you would normally get at your home ground. So, look, we're going to we're going to go up there with um with um ourselves that are going to have to be the ones that come out and do the do the job. I mean, we're not going to be able to rely on um, penalties and um, and mistakes from the opposition. We're going to have to play really hard and really strong ourselves. So that that's yeah. high completions, that's good defence, that's everything that we've been doing so far this season. And you know, if we can do that, we'll we'll go a long way to to getting the win. Big danger man for them, of course. Daly Cherry Evans has been given the task to play well now that the Queensland captaincy's up, you know, available. He's been thrown in the mix there, saying so he's been playing well. Our record at Brookie hasn't been that crash hot, has it, in the last decade or so? I think I can remember a, a, an afternoon there which was very, very ugly. I think they put 40 on us in, at, by half time. In the 90s, even when we were you know, premiership winning side, we always found it hard to play down there at yeah, Brookie. Yeah, that's what Tom said. It's a tough road trip. Mm. Like you said, it's a suburban uh, ground. A suburban there. ground. The, the Manly fans are, are, are right on top of you. Um, like I said, you, you don't usually come out the right side of the penalty count, but you know, if you go there with the right attitude, uh, and you and you stick to your job and just get all that external noise out of your out of your head, uh, then you can have some good performance as well. And I, I think that's what the team's been really good at so far. We've uh, we beat the Titans uh, on the, on their home turf and the Cowboys on their home turf as well. So those wins um, are quite important. You know those away wins because you can win all the games you want at home, but if you're mm. not winning away from home, then you're probably not going to be a contender come finals time. And, you know, as you mentioned, people say. Well, they've beaten no one yet, but you can only beat the teams that you've got on the draw. Exactly. I mean, those harder teams or those perceived harder teams uh, will come along uh, in the weeks ahead. But it's just a matter of us being prepared for each opponent as they come along on the draw. I'm kind of glad that we're not sitting at top position just yet. I think we mm. still mm. can fly under the radar, no pun intended. But uh, obviously, Ricky's named the team. 1-13 to 13 will take place. But the guy that we're going to chat to soon, Mr Hudson Young, Unfortunately, not unfortunately, but he goes back to get some more run in his leg, playing and some more minutes in Mounties. But Emre Gula gets his start this year. That's right, Emre and Jack Murchie as well. Those two guys will come into the 17 this week. I think it's uh, it's reward for the performances that they're playing at Mounties. I mean, no one's doing anything wrong at NRL level. And JJ Collins had a chance to play on the weekend, but this week he gives two other guys a chance. And um, at the back end of the season, when uh, when you know niggles and things like that yeah. are starting to creep into to players' bodies, and you need guys that can come in and do a job, if you've got guys there that have been there at some point during the year and that are hungry to be there, then that's what you want. Um, and it's great to see those guys get a chance. I think that's probably one of the main things that really excites me about this year is just that we've got so many young, talented forwards at this club. They're all hungry for positions and they're both going to come out and absolutely give it their all to give themselves every best possible chance to not uh, – go back to Mounties the following week, which is really something to look forward to. Yeah, it's almost like the old ACB rotation policy, <laughs> rotating these young forwards. Just speaking of one of them that's gone back to play, Mounties who's been killing it, but might be in a bit of trouble this week. Of course, uh, Corey Hallsborough got uh, sent off in that game. I was right next to it. I thought it was a bit of a hard call, but uh, how, yeah, well, how are we sitting exa- there? You're exactly 
Correct. Um, he didn't come under any scrutiny from Great. the match review committee and, uh, you know, there's questions around whether it was actually even a penalty warranted. So uh, it was a great hit. Great, great. Old, it was a good old fashioned, hit. good yeah. solid hit. But anyway, he found himself on the sideline. And like I said, to Mount his credit, with 12 men for most of the game, they were able to go on and win that. <clears throat> and when you got that depth at the lower level, I don't think they've, they've been beaten yet, Mounty. So they had a draw. They had a draw but, early but, in the season, but they're yeah. undefeated. So when you when your second grade side's doing well and your first grade side's doing well, it's a sign of a healthy club and, and we're, we're in a good position at the moment and we just need some luck with injuries and, and things like that to, to keep it going. Here we go. Behind the limelight, crystal ball, our bowl predictions for this week. Let's start with Tommy, Tommy Logan. Got a, Tommy got a victory last week. He, he tipped Bateman for a try. I, I went a week early and didn't get it, but Tommy got it. So I went a week early on a mm. BJ scored two tries, but I said two tries to Croaks. I he said 18,000 at the game last week. Nearly there. Nearly there. Better than the week before, which I, I thought was going to be well, the you case. You predicted something. So I'm, I'll take that. I'll take so half, in the space. I'll take half, half a point, point for that. Bollock there. Tommy <laughs> Logan, what's your bowl prediction this week, mate? It's good to get off the board, first and foremost, but I'm going to go with Sammy Williams grabbing a meat pie. I've, I've just got a feeling he's I know he scored one against the Knights, but I've just got a feeling he's gonna he's gonna go under again. Yeah, I think the halves are really ripe and ready to go. Mine is Jackie White, and he's been in everything. Big plays in the first six rounds. I think he'll get a meat pie. He got one there last year. Yeah, I think he'll get one this week from a nice little run from a scrum base or something. Yeah, well, I'm going to go um, for one of the forwards. Uh, we saw John Bateman and Ryan Sutton both crossed the line last weekend. I think it's time for Elliot Whitehead. Had the smell. He's going to he's going to yeah. pop up on that edge. Um, you know, so much focus is going to be on um, Lay Parner on the outside of him. I just think that he can combine there with a nice little short run and, and get himself over the line. Before we catch up with our Raiders man in focus, if you're not headed out to the game or can't get in front of a TV, make your way to Raiders Gungarland this week as uh, the Raiders on Mixed Team will be going out there and calling the game live from the new clubhouse there. Of course, Raiders on Mixed Team featuring myself, Raider Nick, Chris Coleman, Adam Jansen and Phil Small. So we'll be there from about 1 o'clock. Our pregame starts at 1.30 and we call all the action from 2pm. Get out there. And for the first time on the Behind the Limelight podcast, we speak to Mr. Raider number 359, Hudson Young. G'day, Hutto. Hey, mate. How are you? I'm good, mate. First of all, yeah, a couple of good games in our first grade. How's it, how's it feel going from Mounties to first grade, the speed of the ruck, the hits, all the, all the above? It was a little bit different at the at the start, but each week I felt like I was getting used to the use of the contact and used to the speed. And I think the biggest thing is is probably the speed of the speed of the ruck. Like if you don't win that next one, like how fast the boys are coming at you, the, the next tackle. So that's probably the main difference there. I remember I spoke to Brad Fittler once, and he started. He entered grade at like sixteen years of age, and I was like. Even on the physical aspect, do you, do you, how do you feel? And he goes, mate, I thought I was going to die. I thought they were going to kill me. And after the first tackle, he thought, you know, this is all right, I can handle it. How was your headspace before your first game in first grade? It wasn't too bad because I had them two games in, in reserve grade to sort of get a game against the bigger fellas and that. But I think having pups and smell and them sort of blokes around you, the Hodjo and that, giving you confidence that, like they're going to be there to look after me and that sort of stuff. The bodyguards. Yeah, gave That's me right. confidence. Externally, probably a lot of people wouldn't have expected to see your name not only in the in the first grade team so early in the season, but just in the first grade squad. I mean, you had an opportunity to play um, lower grades last year and, and obviously you got the chance to upgrade your contract and become in the top 30. When did you think in the pre-season um, I might be a chance to get a crack here if I, if I keep going all right? You know, I didn't expect to play first grade as early as I did, but... Probably during the pre-season uh, with Taps and 
smelling them sort of blokes on international it sort of gave me and Merch and the younger boys a chance to get to train with the with the first team and try and build a few combinations around that and, and learn off them. So yeah. What I love about your game is your aggression. When you go out there, you're obviously out there to do a job and that is to, you know, pretty much tackle everybody as hard as you can. Is that something that, that the guys have, you know, obviously Whitey and Cappy look after the defence and Ricky, but is that something that they've given you the task with just to go out there and, and, and make every tackle count? Yeah, no, I think... Because <coughs> you've pulled off a couple of beauties so far. Yeah. I don't want to... Don't wanna, Blow you up too much, but that one on, <laughs> I think it was Salmon in the uh, in the, against the Eels, was it that you you got hold of him? And uh, there's yeah. been a couple of others yeah. during other games him. too. You know, in twenties and that, I, I did a lot of work with Whitey, like to try and control my aggression to use it, use it effectively rather than trying to swing in everyone. <laughs> and um, yeah, just trying to control my aggression. And now I think I'm I'm doing good at that and sort of picking your moment when to when to smack someone and when to just be effective. So as Benny said, obviously, does Ricky give you the licence to go out and do that? Of course, someone like Johnny Bateman's really come out here and been the, the guy that ruffles the feathers. And we are carrying a smaller pack. So what we lose in size, we make up with a bit more aggression. And, you know, the forwards now, we, just, you know, we bashed Parramatta last week. We hit the Broncos pretty hard this week. Is that like you're clear to go out there and be as standover manish as you can? <laughs> no, I try to be, but no, just staying connected with the boys and, and working together, I think, is the biggest thing because... Like you fly at the line and miss, you sort of look like a bit of an idiot. So if you miss, yeah. there's no um, no NYC anymore, so there's no televised under twenties competition like there used to be. So a lot of people wouldn't know much about you as a player. Give us a bit about your background and, and where you come from, where you where you're from, your junior footy, and, and how you ended up in Canberra. Yeah, I played all my junior footy with the with the Greater Brankston Colts, and and uh, we had a pretty good team up there, and ended up getting picked up by Newcastle to play Harold Matts and did. A year at SG Ball and then found my way down here with the Raiders and played two years at <coughs> under-20s here and made the transition to first grade this year. So it all happened pretty fast, but you know, it's been good. Over Castrian. Yeah. Did, did, uh, did Peter Mulholland play a role in getting you to the club? Was that, was that sort of the link that yeah, you had? Yeah, I had Skull put me on contract up there when I was 16 up there and then he left and, and um, he ended up getting me back down here. So it's been good. I enjoyed it here. It's good. You had all your family here for the, the debut game. What was that moment like when you were in the sheds there and, and you got that first jersey and, and had the opportunity to, to spend that with your family and then put it on? Against Newcastle as well, it was, quite yeah. ironically. Yeah, that was weird. No, it was good having all, all the, my family down here, mum, dad, Nan and Pop and that. Nan and Pop did a lot of travelling with me when I, when I was younger and that and come to most games. So it was good to have them there and my brothers and that was good. Ricky's... Um, gone for a bit of a different strategy this season in, and you know we're only six games in going into the sevens but he's he seems to be pretty keen to give guys an opportunity now you, you've played in I think three or four of the games um, since you yeah. since you came into the side and unfortunately for you you won't be playing this week um, but uh, he's given some uh, other guys a chance now I think Emre and Jack Murchie are coming in I mean You'd love to be there, but at the same time, it's great to see guys that are playing good footy for Mounties get rewarded and, and get an opportunity. Yeah, hundred percent. We have a we have a strong strong depth this year, which is which is good, and it's good to see them boys be able to come and come and have a go at first grade and and that sort of stuff. And it's good that Sticks giving us all a go and trying us out. So it must drive the boys, you know, to, to perform for Mounties every week. I mean, on the weekend, you guys were down to twelve men. Um, and you, they, they were down to 12 men and they were able to rally and get the win. So um, Come from behind as well. That's right. So for yeah. you now, I suppose it's, it's up to you to go back and, and, and have a good, strong performance, get some more minutes uh, yeah. under your belt and then come back 
um, bigger and better next time. Yeah, that's what Stick just said to me then. Like, he doesn't want me to fall into the trap of just playing 15, 20 minutes each week. So it'll be good to go back to, to Mounties. And obviously, you want to play first grade every week, but you can't do that without fitness and um, sort of experience playing footy rather than playing 20 minutes. You, you want to be playing as many minutes as you can every week. And yeah, I'm happy to do whatever's best for the team. As you go to get those run back in the legs throughout the year, just to go back to the time when Ricky gave you the, the whisper in the ear saying, um, come to the office, I need to have a chat to you about something, and then to let you know that you're playing first grade this week. How, how was it? Was it a chat like that? And what were you feeling that night? Did you ring up, you know, ring up all the parents? Did you ring up your best mate? Yeah, no, Run us through the whole process. Taps, I think, got ruled out. And um, Stick said to me at training that he wasn't going to go with me this week and um, was thinking like, I don't know what he was thinking, but... Uh, then the next morning said um, that no, he's changed his mind and, and that he's going to play me. He just pulled me out of the dressing sheds and said it. So no, I was very good. I was proud to play at this club and like with all the history and, and the players playing now. So As a young player coming in, that's something that, that Ricky's been big on is, is you know embracing that history. Have you enjoyed the, the history lessons and things like that? I know Count's all over it with these yeah. quizzes and letting <laughs> you know all about the, the older generation of players, but have you enjoyed that part of it? No, it's been excellent to learn about the club and like I didn't know too much about it coming down here and um, I know a fair bit now about especially the 89 grand final and that and hopefully this year we can sort of relive some of them, some of them times that they had. Good boy. All right, mate. Thanks for talking to us. Um, appreciate your time and good luck for the rest of the season. I know we're going to see you back in the, in the green not too far away. So good luck uh, this weekend playing for Mounties and we'll see you soon. Thanks, thanks mate. Can't wait. Celebrating the 30th anniversary of the Green Machine's epic 1989 Grand Final victory. This week we chat to a man who led from the front, not just on Grand Final day, but throughout the whole 1989 season. The front row in Kiwi International, we go back in time to 89 with Raider number 85, Brent Todd. G'day Nick, how you going mate? Mate, I'm great, Khan, especially after a good win from the Raiders on the weekend. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> It's been, you know, it's been a, a great start to the season. I, I've been watching them from over here in Bali, and oh man, I'm so proud of them. They're going really well, and Ricky must be so happy with them. You know, it's like, man, I think I think they're in with a good shot this year. Everyone's happy with them down here, Toddy. The, the, as you know yourself, when the Raiders are doing well, Canberra, the community starts to really galvanise, and everyone's excited. There's a, there's a huge buzz around the Raiders at the moment. That's um, that's the beautiful thing about Canberra is, you know, when you're a one team. One town, um, I know that when we were playing there, like the, the whole town gets behind you and um, and everything you know runs smoothly. But hey, hey Nick, just just remember, it's pretty early on in the season, so let's not get too carried away. But the signs are looking good, mate. The signs are looking good. Signs are looking beautiful. Future's looking bright. Now, speaking of that, Toddy, you came to the club in '87. You you came from the Canterbury League over there. You played for Linwood. You made your way to the Raiders, so you came in at the perfect time. 89, you were the first picked in the prop forward there. You and Lazo were charging through the middle. Plenty of criticism, though, you guys got as a forward pack. I know good old Gus came out and said that the Raiders don't have the forward pack to win the comp. How did that make you feel as a front row there? Did that just, did that just erg you on even more? Yeah, I, I think, you know, just about everybody didn't think we were going to win the game. And we, me and Lazo used to cop that a fair bit, you know, in the forwards because... Because we weren't, you know, like, like most other, you know, packs had superstar forwards in the Australian team, or they, you know, they were really well known and big tough guys and everything. But we just used to do our job, you know. Like we knew that if we just had to, you know, miss, not miss any tackles, 
You know, don't drop any balls. Just complete your sets and just keep going forward and moving forward. Look, we knew we had a fantastic and awesome back line, as everybody knew. And um, all they wanted us to do was to just to make good yardage for them, for Ricky and the, and the back line, to make good yardage and not make mistakes. And that's all we did week in and week out. And the thing about me and Lazar is we were consistently just going forward, going forward. We were try- they were trying to smack us, trying to belt us, trying to do everything, trying to intimidate us. You know, like guys like Phil Gould, and there'd be all sorts of guys, all, all sorts of people, uh, reporters, and that saying, you know, that the, that the forward pack's not up to it. But every week we'd just keep, you know, fronting up and just going forward. And <clears throat> the funny thing was, at the end of the game, it was always our backs that would come up and congratulate us and, and thank us for doing all the hard work. You know, so we knew we were doing the right thing, and, and you know, our backs wouldn't have been able to function unless our forwards were going forward. And we had a great pack. They weren't all superstars, but they were all great blokes and good footballers. It's amazing how you guys were still, let's just say, no names in 89, and then one or two years later, all of you guys became rock stars, not just in the town, but, you know, that team, there's that funny story for the grand final breakfast the, that the, the MC only knew the names of Malman Inger and Gary Belcher, and he's like, oh, here, the rest of the green machine. And that that was a team with, with uh, obviously, Laurie Daly, Ricky Stewart, Bradley Clyde, Steve Walters, Glenn Lazarus, yourself, you know, Dean Lance, and all of a sudden you guys became rock stars, not just in the town of Canberra, but in the whole of the Winterfield Cup. New South Wales Rugby League. Yeah, it took, it took a long time. It took a lot of grafting, you know, like the 87, you know, we played in the 87 grand final against Manly. It was like, it was the last game at the cricket ground. And mm. it was a, that was a big occasion for us, you know, like, um, and that sort of set the tone. Like after we had that, that first experience, I think, man, we just went, that's it. We want to be part of this for the, you know, for the rest of our careers, you know, getting in grand finals. And, you know, and then, the 89 grand final, I mean, that was a, that was a game that everybody was, was against us. Everyone said we weren't going to win them. You know, then, um, you know, we came to them and won that one. And how were you the morning of the game, if you can remember? Were you, how nervous were you up against, you know, likes of Block or Roach, Paul Sirenin, two internationals in that Tigers lineup? How nervous were yep. you, uh, with your role to do before that game? Yeah, I was, you know, like me and Lazar, we're, we're obviously very nervous because we were up against two internationals. In fact, their, their whole forward pack was a pretty good forward pack. Mm. And um, but it's just that uh, it's we were nervous and, and we you know we wanted to do, you know, do our best and you know and we, the good thing was we'd already played in a grand final so we'd experienced the, the, the situation the week build up that you know was pretty uh, is an amazing thing with all the media attention and you know the grand final breakfasts and everything and uh, I think that um, as much as you know you try and just treat it as a, another another game but you've already just come through the semi final so the pace is quicker you know the standard is higher. Um, you know, so you, you know you're in for a really, really big game. And, you know, and I, I don't know, but I, I just felt like we were always going to win that game mm. because we, we we just had the best back line in the world, you know. And, um, you know, as long as we did our job and, and just kept taking it forward and not not being too flashy, or although I was trying to be a bit flashy right at the start there, but after that, you know, we settled down. <laughs> and, um, and I remember when I threw that pass and, and the intercept, I mean, we went behind the try line and Mal Meninga said, don't worry about that. We'll be coming back from this. Just keep going. Keep, you know, it's early in the game. You'll make up for that. Allow me if I can, just on that mistake, you know, that, that pass that you threw for, for James Grant to score that first try. I know what it's like to make a mistake in a football team and you feel like you let your mates down. You can kind of go into your head. And, and you, yeah. you mentioned that Mal just kind of, you know, slapped you on the bum and said, hey, Toddy, we can keep going here. How did you feel? How did you feel that minute? And then how did you feel back behind the goalpost there? Yeah, Lane, I was I was pretty devastated when I threw the pass, you know, and um, it, it was one of those things where I've gone, oh my god, because you know, 
you know, you, you just, like Wayne Bennett was, just taught me, just put the ball up, you know, just, just take it up and just make the yardage. That's all I want you to do. Yeah. I don't want you to do any flashy stuff. Just tackle, do 30 tackles a game and just hit it up. And that, for some, some reason, I don't know why. I've got still to this day, don't know why. Thank God I can laugh about it now. Yeah. But it did, it hit me. But we would, we, the good thing about being with, um, you know, like guys we'd had Wayne and they really worked on the mental side with us. And it's when you make a mistake, you, we were taught how to get back in the game, you know, like, so, um, as Mal said, mate, don't dwell on that, you know, don't, don't think about it. We just, you just move on. And that's what made us quite successful is that, you know, if we did make a mistake, we made or drop the ball or d- did something stupid, we were, we, you'd get a slap on the bum from the other guys and, and the confidence and everything, and you're back in the game. Yeah. And we were taught to do that. And I think that's what made us pretty, you know, reasonably successful as well, is that, yeah, we didn't dwell on mistakes, you know. And you and Mal had a bit of a connection. Of course, you both suffered broken arms prior to that uh, to that season and spent a lot of time there at probably Seaford Oval, Taylor Park around Queenie in there, getting back there with the fitness. Yeah, I, I was very close with Mal. Um, we did have, in, in 88, um, yeah, in 1988, I broke my humerus bone and Mal had broken his, uh, his arm probably three or four times. And we did a lot of work together, like uh, working in the swimming pool, a lot of training we did together. The good thing about Mal is he can he can be your friend and everything, and then and then when it's time to switch on, you know, like you know, um, you, you got to switch on, and you know he doesn't yell and scream, and and when he says something, you listen. And you do it. You get the chocolates. The first team to win outside the Sydney metropolitan area. You bring the spoils yeah. back to Canberra. How was it for yourself uh, when all the party was over and it was just quiet time between you and your own head, thinking, wow, look what I've done. I won a premiership. Coming back from that broken arm as well, it must have been a good yeah. feeling for you there, Toddy. Yeah, well, well, it was a great feeling. Like Especially the buzz that you get when we arrived back, you know, with all the, with the thousands and thousands of people, and they were so proud of us, you know. Look, the one thing about the Canberra team that I... That I really liked, and, and was I was very fortunate to have come to Canberra and not gone to some Sydney club or anything. There were no real big heads there, you know. There was mm. no, there were no guys who leered up, and you know, I mean, we had a bit of fun leering up with each other, but nobody was nobody. Like even after the grand finals, people would always take the time to talk to people and you know, sign autographs, and you know, everyone was very humble, and and um, uh, you know, I guess because we weren't a bunch of superstars. I mean, besides Mal, the, the rest of us were just all grafters and. You know, and and working our way up. So you know, when you're coming back to reality after the after this, you know, the first '89 Grand Final, I, I think the most important thing was we were really looking forward to getting back into the season. You know, and of course, uh, on the back of that, congratulations for being inducted in the inaugural Canberra Raiders Hall of Fame from your efforts in '89. That game was such a crazy experience for the team, for the town, and yourself as a player. Is there something that you've learned from that experience, Toddy, that you take into your life today? For myself, is like just never give up. Like even though, like um, when you have when you have a few little disappointments, you know, like mm. things don't go your way, you know, don't give up. Just keep plodding along, keep moving forward, keep taking it up, you know. Because you know, like when you look at my situation, where right at the start there when I threw that pass, but I, but you just keep moving forward and you keep and, and you and you and you just keep believing in yourself. And I think that I that I really took that on, you know, later on in life, you know, like everybody has disappointments, mm. but you've got to front up and, and it's all a, 
it's all in your head, you know, like really, you know, you physically can do it and everything. It's all in your head. And if your head says you can do it, you can do it. Don't worry about that and, you know, move on to what, whatever I did in business and everything. And, and sometimes you fail, but you just got to keep going you keep moving forward. Well, Toddy, you've got that business up there in Bali, that tattoo parlour. And uh, if the boys get the win this year and win the flag, I think you'll have an influx of Raiders supporters oh, lining up around the corner there at Cooter <laughs> to get maybe a nice green machine tattoo, a premiership tattoo maybe. Yeah, well, we've already had a guy. We had a guy in the other day who got a got the green machine tattoo on his chest, and he didn't know that I owned the shop. And when I walked in, he was absolutely stoked, you know. So, and um, and, and that he knew that I owned the shop. So, mate, if they if they do win the grand final, I told Ricky they can all they're all welcome in Bali, and they can all get the green machine. We can all get the emblem on our chest or on your arm. Free of charge, let me tell you. And, and let me tell you, Nick, I, I, I've got a good feeling about this year, you know, like you, like the whole club, they started it off honouring the 89 Grand Final, mm. the Hall of Fame. The club's in a good in a good way. You can just see the, the Raiders will be in there and they can bring it home. Well, Brent Todd, we love seeing you back here in Canberra, mate. You were part of that Raiders Green Machine success of the 89-90 era. As a young kid, when I used to hear that Green Machine song, I used to think of Mal Meninga, Gary Belcher, and yourself. You definitely used to be part of that imagery of that song as well. Thank you very much for spending time to joining us here on the Behind the Limelight podcast as we go back in time to 89. Cool. Thanks, Nick. Cheers, mate.